Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. We're going to get into a new study in God's Word today. How many of you guys are excited to study something new in God's Word? All right, cool. That should be us all the time. Because the Word, it, it never fails to do things in our hearts when we, together, listen. So, we're looking at the life of Moses. We're going to do a short little study in the life of Moses. And how many of you guys know we could spend like a year looking at Moses' life and all of his teachings throughout the first five books of the Bible, the impact that he has on the rest of the whole story of the Word, and we'd be like barely scratching the surface, right? Moses is such an incredible character. But we're just going to look at four moments that Moses has. Four things um, that are particularly stand out, tangible things that we can latch on to and that speak to us about our lives. We want to get really, really practical. So who's up for getting really practical from the word too? Yeah, this isn't going to be a deep theological teaching. It's going to be more of a preaching. So buckle up. We're going to have some fun this morning. Um, I'm just going to tell you in advance too. At the end of our service today, this is just so all of our introverts in the room can warm up to this idea. At the end of the service, we're gonna, I'm going to call for everybody to come forward. We're going to have a time of prayer together. We've got our leaders, our elders, our deacons in the room. Um, we're going to just be praying with people. I believe that God is here. I believe that God wants to do some things Amen. in our hearts this morning, set some people free to the future for them. So we're going to go for it together. So I'm warning you in advance that we're going to have time of prayer. Um, and it's not just, hey, if God's been speaking to you and maybe you feel awkward going, hey, let's all come together for prayer. Because what we're going to talk about today has a bearing on every single one of our lives. So today, we're going to look at the first of these four little snippets of Moses' life. I want to talk to you about the voice of Moses. The voice of Moses. Let's jump into this moment in maybe a little bit of an odd way. Would you turn with me to the book of Acts? Yes, Acts. That's in the New Testament. That is not where you think about Moses, but that's where we're going. Acts chapter 7. Something is happening in Acts chapter 7, and it casts light on the life of Moses, and it caught my attention as I was reading through the book of Acts a little while ago. So I want to pass this along to you, and it's going to lead us into our discussion today. Acts chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 20 through 29. And what's happening in this, Moses, in, in this moment is um, we're about to see the first martyr of the Christian church. A man named Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God on his life, is doing miracles. And, you know, the people who crucified Jesus are not very happy about this. They haul Stephen in, and he begins to testify before them in court, if you like. And he begins to talk to them from their shared history. Who's at the center of their shared history? Well, a guy named Moses is pretty big. So let's look at what Stephen has to say about Moses. Verse 20, Acts chapter 7 says this. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech an action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went on to his defense and avenged him by killing that Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, 
Moses came upon two Israelites fighting amongst themselves, and he decided to reconcile them and said, Men, you're brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. There's a few things in this moment that we're going to look at over the course of our time. Uh, But first, let's pray together, and then we're going to dive deep into the life of Moses. Father, thank you that you're here. By your Spirit, you're right here in our midst. We turn our hearts, we turn our eyes to you today. We want to hear what you're saying this morning. Lord, I pray that every single person that's here would have a little, little glimpse into something new from you this morning. Stir our hearts, Lord. We don't want business as usual We want to move into things you have for us. Lord, would you just amplify your word into our hearts today? Pull on every single one of us and lead us in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as I was looking at this account from Stephen a little while back, um, several things caught my eye about what Stephen says about Moses that you know, just looking through Exodus, maybe you don't quite see it that way. How many of you guys know the best thing to help us interpret the Word of God is actually the Word of God? Like, we're talking about Acts, but Stephen's telling us about what happened in Exodus. And that's important. But one mystery that made me kind of scratch my head as I was looking at what Stephen said is he goes, Moses was a powerful speaker. Anybody know the story of Moses goes, well, hang on a minute. Moses was not a powerful speaker. That's a big part of the problem with Moses. Anybody who's read anything about Moses knows that doesn't quite fit with what we see in Exodus. Because Moses describes himself to God and says, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. So I started to look into this a little bit and, and tried to figure out, you know, is Stephen suggesting here that before leaving Egypt, we had like a different Moses going on? Before leaving Egypt, Moses was, you know, a big deal, full of confidence and whatnot. You know, scholars have debated this, what Stephen's saying. Maybe Moses once had a powerful voice, and then in those wandering years, he lost it. I don't know if anybody here can identify with that. Maybe he had confidence at one point, but life threw him a few curveballs, and he had a crisis of confidence by the time he wandered toward the mountain of God. Maybe, maybe Stephen's just generalizing here, taking the whole of Moses' life. I'll tell you this, one thing we do know for certain, Moses had a moment with God. He had a moment at a burning bush. And by the time that that moment arrived, the voice of Moses was not a strength for him. The voice of Moses was actually his self-proclaimed weakness, that thing which was holding him back. So I want to talk to us this morning about a couple things from Moses' voice. I want to talk about when we feel disqualified. Every single one of us does from time to time. I want us to listen to what God has to say about it. And I want us to open up our hearts to the future he has for us, okay? So let's look together. Let's turn our Bibles back to Exodus chapter 3. Let's get into the moment that Moses has with God in Exodus 
Many of you know the story already. And for for time's sake, I'll summarize if you're not familiar with it. Moses flees after killing this Egyptian and spends 40 years wandering in the backside of nowhere in the desert. And during that time, he gets married, he has some kids, but he basically walks away from everything that God had done in the first 40 years of his life. And, And that's history, ancient history. For 40 years, he's grazing his flocks in the middle of nowhere until he's 80 years old. And then he sees something he can't forget, ever. He sees a bush up on a mountain that is on fire, but is not burning up. It's not being consumed. And he says, i got to go see what's going on over here. He wanders up there, and all of a sudden, the voice of the Lord calls to him from that burning bush, says to him, take off your sandals, for this place you're walking is holy ground. God says this, I've seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and it's time I'm rescuing them. So... I'm sending you. I'm sending you, Moses, you wanderer and foreigner who doesn't know and can't remember who you once were. I'm sending you. Can you imagine Moses in that moment? Like, sorry, could you slow down and repeat that a little bit? I thought you said you're sending me. You got the wrong guy, right? I mean, according to Stephen, he already tried to rescue them, and they didn't want him. What is God doing here? Why is he interested in Moses? Moses is going, I'm sorry. I think you mistook me for someone else. Look at Exodus chapter 3 with me, verse 11 and 12. The key to the whole of the exchange between God and Moses at the burning bush is found here. Exodus 3, verse 11 and 12. Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? You've got the wrong guy. Why on earth would Pharaoh listen to me? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? But God says this, I will be with you. Five words that I hope God tattoos on your heart this morning. I will be with you. No matter what you think is going on, I will be with you. I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you, Moses, that it is I who have sent you. When you've delivered the people, when you brought them out of Egypt, you all are going to worship me on this mountain. You know, I'd like to say that Moses goes, okay, great, I'm good. But we all know this kicks off a series of protests from Moses. He's still not convinced. If, if ever you feel like, you know, you're going back and forth arguing with God about something like, God, I don't know if I want to do that. You're in really good company in the word of God. Some of the most important figures that God ever used had these back and forth going, yeah, but God, have you considered this? Moses has a series of protests And I identify with that because sometimes I feel God nudging me to do things. I mean, small things, little things with very little risk involved at all. And I'm like, God, I don't know if that's you. I had some weird pizza. Maybe I'm just feeling off. I don't know. God wasn't asking Moses to do something small. But Moses had some times of protesting with the Lord saying, I still think you got the wrong guy. And the last thing he talks to God about most personal thing, revealing something to us about Moses in this morning, is this. In Exodus chapter 4, one chapter later, verses 10 through 12, listen to this. He says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech, I'm slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? 
Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. I'll be with you, Moses. Now Moses argued the craziness of God's plan with God himself. But at the center of his problem was the fact that he thought God had the wrong guy. He thought God had the wrong guy. He wasn't up to the task, and particularly in his voice and his speech. How many of you guys know that we're painfully aware of our own shortcomings? Right? The harshest critic of you is probably you. We are so painfully aware of all the reasons God can't use me, all the things that hold us back, all of the, the failures, all the feelings that we can't get over. We are painfully aware of our own weaknesses. In this moment, Moses is saying to God, look, I've already been ruled out. I've been disqualified. God can't use me. Honestly, I think it's one of the reasons Moses is one of the more relatable characters. He's honest with the Lord in this moment. Now, I know in my life over and over again, I've had this same feeling like, God, I hear what you're saying, but look, I'm not up for that. I'm not qualified for that. Because I know my own fears. I know my own failures. I know my own faults. I know my own weaknesses. I know all the areas I fall short. And probably you do too. I don't know about you. I hope I'm not alone in this, but sometimes I want so badly to press into the things that God has for me. I want so badly to follow him, even on simple things again. But then... I start to think about all the reasons I can't do it. All those things start to float up in my mind. Yeah, but if I do that, I'm going to have to lay this down. In my own thinking, I start to explain to God why it won't work. Why God would be better off using someone else. Moses' responses to God in this moment, they're a picture of every single one of us at times as we walk with the Lord. Especially when it comes to our weaknesses those things we don't have figured out. Would you imagine Moses applying for a job? How many of you guys work, have been through like the HR process, multiple rounds of interview, applying for a job before? They ask you certain standard questions, don't they? Could you imagine Moses' response to the kind of questions we, we ask people when they're applying for a job? Well, have you ever been rejected for this job before? Yeah, I have. I tried, didn't go so well. Are there any conflicts of interest for you to do this kind of work? Uh, I mean, I guess telling my adoptive family that they're entirely in the wrong and evil and bankrupting their economic system may be a conflict of interest. Might qualify. Okay, it's okay, Moses. Let's move on. Try this one. How about your physical ability? Well, I'm 80. Walking, you know, thousands of miles. Yeah, whatever. 80's the new 40, right? Citizenship. Fill out your I-9. Are you a citizen? Are you okay to work on this? Fail. By this point, Moses doesn't have a clue what his citizenship is. Can you think of how screwed up of a mutt in his mind he must be about his definition of who he is? He has none of these things. Let's check the last one then. All those things aside. Background check and criminal record. <clears throat> Murder. Is there a, least, like a less qualified person than Moses to do this? Is there a less employable option? See, Moses wasn't making it up, but all of his weaknesses, 
his lack of credentials, his unlikeliness, those things which disqualify him, they put him actually in some really good company if you look at the word of God. I want you to hear that today because maybe if you're here and you're feeling like I have all these things which disqualify me, that actually makes you, in my opinion, reading the word of God more likely for God to use you, not less. Not less. Think about it. If you read the word of God, you will find that God makes a habit of consistently using the unexpected people, the unqualified, people who are disregarded by everybody else, written off, like least likely to succeed in the high school yearbook as a senior. God's like, that's my guy. That's my guy. Abraham, when God told Abraham his plan, do you know what happened? Abraham straight up laughed in his face and was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> whatever, God. Genesis 17, 17, look it up. It's crazy. Gideon, who was hiding out, terrified of the, the army around him, when an angel of the Lord shows up and is like, God is with you, you mighty warrior. And he's like, me? Absolutely not. David, let's talk about David for a minute. I love David because I'm a youngest child. Mm. David was so youngest child, he was forgotten. You know, when they came to anoint the king, his dad was like, I don't even have that. Where is David? They didn't even know where he was. And then God elevates David massively, and guess what? David still blew it. Let's move on. How about the ragtag group of people that Jesus rallied to himself? Think about the disciples. Every single one of them was the wrong person. Every one of them. Peter. Peter goes on to see miracle after miracle after miracle. Yeah, when the big moment came, he bailed, right? He didn't even consider himself worthy anymore to be called a disciple. God makes a consistent habit of using those unlikely people like you and me. <laughs> Moses is in the thick of this group of unqualified people that God qualifies. Yeah, we now don't refer to them as that group of ragtag idiots. We refer to them as the great cloud of witnesses to God's goodness, favor, and faithfulness. We refer to them as the crowd of overcomers. What qualified each and every one of them was not their credentials or their status or their achievements or their readiness or their resume. It was the faith to take that next step with God. Just one. Just that next step. Okay, God, I'm trusting. Let's go. We're going to talk about Moses' actions and taking that next step in a moment. But first, I want us to see how God, I want us to zero in for a moment on God's responses when Moses considers himself unqualified or disqualified. Because Moses is real about his doubts. He's real about his hang-ups with God. Who am I? But listen to God's response. You're asking, who are you? Let me tell you who I am. Amen. Maybe you're here today, and for a long time you've been saying to God, who am I, God? You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong girl. God doesn't want to talk to you about that. He wants to say, let me show you who I am. Step out in faith. Let me show you who I am. I'm, and I will be with you. You say you can't speak well, Moses. Well, who gave human beings their mouths? Again, I'll give you the words. I'll be with you. You don't need to worry about having it all figured out. Just take a step. Moses was right about one thing in his back and forth with God. It was a question of voice. It just wasn't about his voice at all. I want you to hear that again. It was about voice, but it wasn't about his voice. 
It was never a question of what Moses could or could not do or a question of what he had or had not done. God flips the script on Moses here and says to him, it is not about whether you have the power or the voice. It's about whose voice you're listening to. Whose voice are you listening to today? And in this pivotal moment, which changed the course of history that still marks our lives today, there are several voices at work in Moses' life, in his heart, in those quiet moments. Same thing goes for you and me in every moment. There are so many voices in our lives, so many voices speaking into our moments, speaking over us in your good moments, in your bad moments. You're going to hear those voices. You know what I'm talking about. Those voices that remind us of all the times we screwed up. Those voices that come up and, and remind us that, oh, you're not good enough for that or whatever. Those voices that point out how, you know, you don't have what it takes. Every single one of us, continually, we wrestle with this. There's not a single person here who hasn't had to deal with this or isn't currently dealing with this. And if there is, then they're about to deal with this. So many voices in Moses' life. Same goes for us. I want to talk about four different ones, and this is not an exhaustive list. The easiest voice to spot in our lives is simply this, the voice of others, actual other people speaking to us, right? Good or bad? Sometimes we have good people speaking into our lives. Sometimes we have bad people speaking into our lives. One thing we need to keep a handle on from the get-go is just how many people are speaking into our lives. All of our connectedness in 21st century America that keys us into a non-stop feedback loop on everything we're doing, doesn't it? From our haircut, to what we're wearing, to where we're going to school, to whatever. We get feedback on everything in our lives, often totally void of real relationship. We've talked before about it as, um, we call it a mental board of directors. Dad, I think you were the first person to give me this example. Some of us, you know, you think about a boardroom with the board of directors meeting for a company and who's on the, each seat. Some of us have given individuals a seat at the table of our lives that have no right being there. I just want to hear, you can hear that today. Some of you have people in your lives that you've allowed to speak into your lives, and quite frankly, you could do a lot better. You need to fire that person from your mental board of directors. Just being honest today. You, mean, you might need to have a, a reshaking, a reshuffling of your mental board of directors today. And get some people in there who can speak life over you, who can speak to God's purposes for your life. First voice, the easiest one to spot is the voice of others. The next one is the voice of our doubts. Our doubts. This was a big one for Moses, clearly. You know, whether our doubts come from past experiences or failures, whether our doubts come from apprehension we feel towards the future or anxiety. Every single one of us has to wrestle with the voice of doubt. Every one of us. If we want to move into God's future, we have to reckon with the voice of doubts in our lives. One of our elders, Pete McMillan, he always puts it like this. He said, we have to believe our, sorry, we have to believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts. Otherwise, we'll begin to doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. It's true, isn't it? We have to make a choice at some point about those doubts. And I just want to say, like Moses in this moment, God wants us to come to him with those things. 
You might have grown up in a church culture that says any shred of doubt, you are going to hell in a handbasket. It's important that we listen to those doubts, not that we get sucked into them and let them determine our lives, but that we are real about them with God and those good people God brings into our life so that we can hear what he's saying instead. You need to wrestle with those things, but you need to do it at the foot of the cross. Amen? Amen. Next voice. I want to camp out on this one for a minute. There is a voice of our enemy, the voice of our enemy, every single day we wrestle with. The Bible isn't shy about our enemy, is it? One of the primary tactics you'll see if you read through the word about the enemy of your soul is simply this. He wants to interject. He wants to disrupt the conversation going on in your heart and insert his lies. He's the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his natural tongue. He wants to interject as an alternate voice in your life. What do you think the garden was all about? What happens in the garden into the unending, unspoiled conversation between God and man comes an alternate voice. An alternate voice that says this, did God really say? Fill in the blank after that over your life. Did God really say that to you? Does God really mean that? Does God really love you like that? Does God really pursue you even when you had all these problems that you're going through? Did God really say? I got to tell you, in your life and mine, there are a lot of roads that will take us nowhere good that start with those words, did God really say? Still beginning with that question. See, the enemy... You find out pretty quickly if you read the rest of that sentence. He wasn't interested in what God said. He was interested in throwing more doubt in the mix. As he says, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? How many of you know that means they would starve? It's a stupid question. I'm not going to get into this today, but a lot of problems start when we engage stupid questions and argue too much. Leave that there right there. The enemy was not interested in what God said. It's not why he's asking that question. He wanted to interject and plant seeds of doubt in their hearts, and he wants to do the same in your life today. Did God really say? Our enemy will try to call into question God's goodness in our lives at every turn, at every moment, especially when we're struggling, especially when we're looking and searching for answers and we feel like we're hitting our head against a wall. You have an enemy of your soul that's going to rock up in that moment and say, that's because God didn't say that because it was just your imagination talking. The enemy's still hard at work with his disruptive, alternate voice. Let's not give him an inch in our lives, amen? Let's not for a second give in to his version of the reality of my life. Let's surround ourselves and put on that mental board of directors better voices. Amen? Amen. Finally, there's the voice of God himself. God's voice in your heart and in your life. That same voice that spoke the cosmos into existence is speaking over you. The one who knows every hair on your head, everything you're struggling with. The one who is watching with great expectation in the moments where your being was formed. Who loves you completely longs to speak to you and me at every turn. And you know what he wants you to hear today? 
I'll be with you. I'm not going anywhere. Let's go back to the garden story for a minute. After they listened to the enemy and ate of the fruit and did all of that, they hid from God, and there's a telling moment about whose voice they were listening to. Adam, much like Moses, feels disqualified then, unworthy, ashamed. For the first time, humanity feels shame. And he says to God, we hid from you because we realized we're naked. Listen to what God says. Who told you you were naked? What is God really saying in that moment? What's the question within the question? Whose voice are you listening to? Who has been sowing seeds of doubt in your heart about my goodness and my trustworthiness? Who told you I'm not enough for you? Who told you that I'm not good, that I'm not for you, that I'm not going to be with you in the ups and downs of your life? Whose voice are you listening to? Who told you you can't trust me? You see, like Adam, Moses became fixated on what he didn't have. He didn't have the voice. He didn't have the power. He didn't have the ability. He was looking at the wrong thing. He was listening to the wrong voice. And God's response to him was simply this. Listen to what I'm saying. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. Remember who it is that's speaking to you. And that all-powerful voice God said over Moses, I will be with you. I'm not going anywhere. I've got all the strength that you need. I'm not going to leave you high and dry. Somebody needs to hear that today. I'm not going anywhere. You can run away as far as you think you could possibly go. And guess what? I'll be right there. I'll be right there with you. I'll be with you, Moses. You know, God is constantly speaking this over your life and mine. He wants us to hear. All those times that those protests rise up in us, God, I don't know about that. God, I don't think you're for me. Whatever. He wants us to hear his voice instead. He's constantly speaking to us. I want to shamelessly dive into one of my favorite passages. If you've been here for a long time, you've heard it many, many times. Isaiah 43, verse 1 through 5. God says over his people, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you go through the fire in your life, you won't be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. I'll give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Does that sound like you're disqualified in God's eyes? That you're not good enough? God says this, he says, you are valuable to me right now. Valuable to me. You are more loved than you will ever know. You are not disqualified. No matter what you may think, no matter what you may feel, no matter what the realities of your situation may be, I'm right here. As God said to his people through the prophet Jeremiah, even if you feel like your life is a mess, like a disfigured piece of pottery, I am the potter and I can put you back on the wheel. 
reshape all those things you think are irretrievably broken and make something beautiful that you could not even imagine. Listen to my voice, he says. Let me speak this to your heart. Come to me. Let me get my hands on your life and my arms around your heart and show you my goodness again. The real question has never been about what we can or can't do. It's never been about what we have or have not done or even what we feel or do not feel. The question is simply this. Whose voice are we listening to? Whose voice are you listening to today? Whose voice are you going to let be the loudest thing in your ears? Voices around you? Voices of your own doubts and struggles? Voice of the enemy? Or the voice of the one who created you? Who knows you perfectly? Faults, failures, feelings, and all. And wants to be with you. Every day we have a choice. What voice are we going to listen to? I just want to say, most of us have so many competing voices in our lives, it's a miracle we can hear anything at all. Let's make today the start of a new process. Let's make today the start of something new, where we leave the past in the past, and we move into a future that God has for us. Because we draw near to him, we step out of our doubts, and we step into faith, one step at a time. If you've been through membership class here at church, you know that I love personality tests. Anybody else love personality tests and learning about themselves and other people? <laughs> you also know I have some serious reservations about personality tests. The tests themselves, they're great. They're fantastic. They tell you a lot. It's about what we do with those things, with that information that I have hesitations about. Because we love how they talk about our strengths. Man, that feels so good. We feel seen, right? When somebody tells us, that's awesome that you're a good communicator, whatever. That feels great to us because we want to be known for those strengths. There are even tests like strengths finders that only talk about your strengths. There's nothing wrong with helping us leverage those good gifts God's given in our lives. Hear me correctly here. But the problem is we're human beings. The problem is we're human beings. So we also trend towards minimizing our weaknesses and hiding them. Huh? Come on, let's be honest. Or, like Moses, we look at those things that we know are weaknesses in our lives, and we let them disqualify us. Disqualify us from what God has prepared for us. The Apostle Paul challenges this directly. And I want you to hear this again. You've probably heard this passage before, but in 2 Corinthians 12, we find the Apostle Paul talking about his weaknesses, don't we? In a particular weakness that isn't named, isn't disclosed what it is. All we know that it was something ongoing. Insert whatever weakness and ongoing struggle you have in your life. And hear Paul's words. He says this in verse 8 through 10, 2 Corinthians 12. Three times I asked the Lord, take this thing away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, says Paul, I'm going on boasting. I'm going to talk about my weaknesses. I'm going to know and shout about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. What is Paul saying here? Your weaknesses and mine, those things we think disqualify us, 
Those things that we think hold us back, like Moses saying, God, I don't have the voice for this. They do not disqualify us when we trust God's voice and take one step into faith. Our imperfections are simply a gateway into a deeper life of faith and trust that God has for us. And the only one who's perfect. Think about it. We know our imperfections so well. But the gateway to the life with the one who is perfect is letting him fill in the gaps. Not resting on just all of our own strengths. Because you know this? There is not a single opportunity to trust God when we're trusting ourselves. Think about it for a second. If I'm relying totally on my own abilities, my own strengths and stuff like that, there's no room for God in the equation. But when we go, look, I don't have it. I don't have it figured out. I don't have what it takes. But I know what you're asking me, God. Here I go. I'm stepping into my weaknesses, God. That's when we see him move. That's when we realize he is all the strength that we could ever need. Like our friend Gary Spicer says, you're not a candidate for the miraculous until you've got some impossibilities in your life. You're not a candidate to see God move in power and in miracles in your life until you're real about the fact that you don't have it covered. That it's not possible. Moses knew all his weaknesses, but he was not disqualified by his struggles. He wasn't qualified either by his strengths. What made the difference was one thing. Obedience. He listened to the voice of God, and he obeyed. Little by little, he obeyed. Moses wasn't perfect in that moment or ever, but he took one step of obedience. He learned to trust the voice of God more and more and more along the way, step by step. And in time, Moses went from seeing himself as a disqualified, has-been, powerless, to leading a nation to freedom. That's something only God can do. Amen? Amen? And I love this too. As he trusted God, he eventually found his voice as well, didn't he? He eventually found his voice in a powerful way. You can read the prolific speeches of Moses in the first five books of the Bible. I personally, I love Deuteronomy 30, where he just masterfully and powerfully sets before them and says, I'm setting a choice before you, life and death. Choose life. Unbelievable power in his voice by that point. He also wrote songs and sang them publicly, including one of the Psalms, Psalm chapter 90, where he said, as a perfect display of leaning on God's strength and his weakness, he says, Lord, you establish the work of our hands. It's not about us, it's about what you can do. He walked in obedience and God met his need in every season. You know, that's God's desire for us too, today, for you and me. He still desires deeply for us to experience his presence, to not draw our worth and our identity, our idea of what's possible in our lives from what we can control or envision or make happen ourselves, but just to simply walk with him to be with him, to take one step of faith, one step at a time. Every single person who comes to Jesus and says yes to Jesus is called by God. The Bible's clear about that. No one can come unless they're called. You are called, and I am called of God, and God equips those he calls for everything ahead. You can count on it. When we look to him, when we listen to his voice, we find everything we need in him.
So whatever things you may feel disqualify you today, whatever things you might look at in your life and say, I've messed up, God can't use me, don't listen to those voices. Listen to his voice. I'll be with you. I'm more than enough for you. And I'm not going anywhere. So many times, God will ask us to step into things that we are not yet equipped to do. What a great place to be. When he says, just take a next step for us and trust me. How many people that scares you a little bit when God does something like that in your life? That scares me to death. I wouldn't be here without a moment like that, to be honest. But just as God said to Moses, he promises us at every turn, I'll be with you. So let's get practical for just a moment. And then we're going to have everybody come and we're going to pray. and We're going to worship God together. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And we have our leaders in the house who want to pray over you. I encourage you, don't leave until somebody gets to pray for you. There's nothing more powerful than laying hands on each other, being honest with each other, praying over specific things, maybe those areas of weaknesses you feel. But first, I want to ask, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning from the life of Moses? I think for every single one of us, there's a simple question, which is what voices are we listening to in our lives? What voices are you listening to in your life? You may be here, and you're trying to sort through that. And God's going to bring some things to mind. It may not be right now in this moment. It may be this week where you're going, actually, what that person is saying does not line up with what I know to be true. And I need to arrest those things and start speaking truth over them. You might be here and you're asking, how do I listen to God's voice? Simply, how do I hear God's voice? Well, I think step one is to maybe cut out some of the other voices in your life. Because you need to make space to hear his voice. We can't hear anything when we got a million things shouting at us. Anytime you want to hear God's voice, one of the first and most important steps is unplugging from things. Step two is you need to go to the primary place that he speaks to us from and the place that everything must be held accountable to, right here in his word. You need to go deeper in his word. You need to listen. Open up to the, the gospels and hear specifically what Jesus is saying to people. Listen with your heart open. Step three, just falling in love, again, with the word made flesh, with the life of Jesus, with his actions, with his love, with his words again. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. You want to see how deeply God wants to be with you, fix your eyes on Jesus again. Step four, cultivate a sensitivity to his voice in silence. In silence. How many times in the word of God does God speak to us in a whisper? So many times. It's that still, small voice that we read about. Why? Well, maybe, just maybe, God wants us to quiet our soul. When he speaks in a whisper, you can't hear it unless you get quiet. But he wants us to come so close that we can feel his breath on us again. Lastly, His voice is amplified in our lives when we are around others who are also in the word, seeking his face together. So ask, again, maybe it's your mental board of directors, maybe not, but who is pouring God's goodness into your life? How can you spend more time with those people? So maybe you're here today and you felt disqualified by whatever. Maybe it's a habit, maybe it's sin in your life, maybe it's an area of weakness, God wants to set you free. Our God is a God of freedom. 
and deliverance. In a moment, Moses met God and things changed forever for him. But our God does not change. He's still the same God then and now. And this is a moment right now. So I want to invite the band to come back up and play. And I just want to say, you might be here today and you need a God moment. You need one of those moments where God meets you and speaks something into your heart that changes everything. Today can be your day too. Today can be that day for you. No matter what things feel broken in your life, hear this. I will be with you. I will be with you. No matter what maybe labels you've put on yourself from your past, from your present, what things are dominating your identity, God says, you are mine and you are loved more than you could possibly imagine. So one step at a time, let's press into his voice. Let's hear his voice. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.